Welcome to Future Hindsight. I'm Mila Atmos. Our guest today is Dr. Bernard Harcourt. He's the executive director of the Eric H. Holder Initiative for Civil and Political Rights, the Isidore and Seville Salzbacher Professor of Law, and also a professor of political science at Columbia University. At the intersection of political, legal, and social theory, his work explores questions of surveillance, policing, and punishment in contemporary society. He is a passionate advocate for justice and started his legal career representing death row inmates working with Brian Stevenson at what is now the Equal Justice Initiative in Montgomery, Alabama. He lived and worked in Montgomery for several years and still today continues to represent pro bono inmates sentenced to death and life imprisonment without parole. I attended a launch event for the Eric H. Holder Initiative where Dr. Harcourt spoke about the appetite for doing justice inherent in young people and that we should support this thirst for social justice by creating public servants and teach them the foundations for a better society. So, what are the foundations for a better society? We need much more of a full participation by everyone in the in the political realm, in the political domain. That would be my idea of civic engagement, that people should be civically engaged because otherwise they're ceding the ground to others who might have their own particular agenda. And that if somehow we had more civic engagement and more equal participation in the formulation of what society should look like, that it might end up being a little bit more fair, well distributed, a little bit more equal, so that um, resources wouldn't be kind of hoarded in particular places. If everyone could express what they imagine society should be like, that there might be more room for their for their lives, basically. So that's a, that's, I know that's kind of abstract and theoretical, but, but, but I think it is foundational in the sense that it's precisely because um, we should reject the, the 18th century liberal ideas of self-interest that it's important that we have civic engagement. Having established civic engagement as one of the pillars of a good society, Dr. Harcourt spoke about voting as a practical example. It turns out that voting, like civic engagement, is largely a learned trait. You know, I was reading a study about voting participation, and it was about children of incarcerated parents uh, not experiencing voting the way that we did, the way that our children did. I mean, my children always would come vote with me. I mean, you know, I'd carry them or I'd hold their hands, but we'd go in the ballot booth together and fill out the form together and put it in and whatnot. And and I think to a certain extent, you know, that's a form of civic engagement that is learned like everything else. But if your parents are incarcerated, if your parents can't vote because they're disenfranchised, because they've they've got a felony conviction or something, then you never experience that as a child and you never do that as a child. The study was showing how how those kind of taken-for-granted experiences as a child lead to more civic engagement or less civic engagement, more voting or less voting. I mean, we can use that as a kind of metaphor, as a model in our mind for civic engagement. 
a lot of it is is learned from going to vote with our parents, from sitting at table and listening to the conversations, etc. And we need, therefore, not only to make sure that that's a possibility for people, but also in some way promote that. These are learned skills, learned desires, and uh, knowing that you can participate or knowing that you have the ability or that it's fun or that it's interesting, it's really important to it actually happening. I agree wholeheartedly that we need more civic engagement to make this world more just. But I wonder just how we would go about that. To most of us, civic engagement means either voting, which happens periodically, or running for office, which is clearly not for everyone. What can we do to make civic engagement a part of our daily lives? I would think that on a daily basis, there are ways to engage others and each other in a way that means speaking with others about political questions and social justice issues. So conversing with others in the public sphere, communicating with uh, a representative or a senator, even if it's not necessarily one's own senator. Uh, so as those representatives are actually engaging in debates over the tax bill or whatever, one can reach out to them in various ways and try and uh, tell them at least what we're thinking. Writing in different venues, uh, local newspapers, or or even engaging on the internet, writing things. If I, I don't have a Facebook, but I have a few blogs, um, seminar blogs and things like that, and There I'm writing all the time, engaging other people in writing. If I did have Facebook, I think I probably would spend time writing, not just sharing news articles, but actually writing reflective thoughts about the current political situation that I think people might be interested in engaging. But that would be forms of civic engagement, I think, that would be really important. So there are really tons of ways of being engaged in in political questions and questions of just society today, short of the annual vote or the incredible task of actually trying to become an elected official of some sort. Most importantly, we all need to reflect about our lives and assess our daily actions. We can ask ourselves, what is it that I do and what is it that I can do? Every individual could take a step back from what they do every day and ask themselves, uh, how could I be more civically engaged in what I do every day? For me, it's teaching and writing. I'm trying to formulate a course about criminal law that actually is civically engaged, where the readings will make the students think about not just what are the elements of homicide, but What are we doing when we punish people? What are we doing when we allow this massive over-incarceration uh, to take place in the country? Or how do we deal with the racial uh, imbalances that take place in the criminal justice system? And I'm putting together my set of readings right now, and I realize, you know, I, I want to do a lot more than just teach the basics of criminal law. I want people to really be thinking in a civically engaged way about the role of criminal justice in today's society. In every dimension, I think that you could ask yourself, how can I make it more 
attuned to these issues of social justice at a, a fine grained yes. level. Of course, I agree that we should be more attuned to issues of social justice, but this requires us to be thoughtful about how we approach our lives. In the current cultural moment, many of us are consumed by reality television, news by sound bites, and social media. Much of our lives are simply reactive, and we lose sight of the things we say and do. People often say things that they perhaps do not mean, or they just don't comprehend what they're saying. For example, I had a conversation with someone who cracked a joke about Michelle Obama's appearance. I gasped and thought to myself, did he just say that? And meanwhile, he laughed at his own joke and kept going. I realized then that he had no idea what he had just said and how racist it was. Sometimes, people just repeat what they hear without thinking. Now is the moment to take a step back. What is it that I say? How do I live my life? And how can I change my behavior and interactions in order to be a better citizen? It's not easy. We have so much going on in our lives. We're flooded with emails and children's, their lives and their texts. This is happening. And, you know, you can respond to that and, and, and our professional work. And the temporality of uh, these new technologies, texts and emails, it's just, it's coming at you so fast that we don't take enough time to kind of take a step back and try and remember our own truths about the world, right? I think that's the problem, that, um, that we're just, it's almost like we're in a churning ocean and there's just lots of waves and you don't have time to think. You're just kind of like trying to keep your head above water and you don't have time to stop and think and ask yourself, now, wait a minute, like, okay, let me... Let me center myself. Do I really want to be making a comment about Michelle Obama's appearances? No, I don't. I don't want to do that. That's not, that's not me. But it's not easy to do that. So how can we get our heads around centering ourselves? Dr. Harcourt offers Gandhi's principles as an example. I run a seminar through the, throughout the year, um, and tonight we're studying Gandhian uh, nonviolent resistance. So uh, he had this idea of Satyagraha, which is a very rich theory, a personal theory. It's kind of an ethical, spiritual theory. And so I've been reading all about it and I'm really interested in it. But it ties in here in an interesting way because so his notion of nonviolent resistance, Satyagraha, is actually holding on to one's truth, holding on to who you are as a person. And, and that's what I think we have a hard time with actually in today's society we kind of like lose maybe maybe because things are going too fast because we have too many ambitions we have too many um demands on us etc we don't hold on tightly enough to who we are or who what our what our ethical values are uh, and it's actually interesting. So I'm 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 learning because I I hadn't spent much time uh, with Gandhi's writings before. I come from a more Western tradition, Enlightenment tradition, and so I've been reading with great interest uh, his writings. But um, but I think that it's very relevant to what we're talking about right now because he 
certainly had a way of staying true to himself and his values and his ethical beliefs that I think is really important in a time like now. We don't have time to ask ourselves, how can I promote and embrace and further civic engagement right now in the thing I'm doing, in the course I'm teaching, or in my interaction with um, my co-workers, or in my interaction with my children? We don't make the time maybe for that kind of like take a step back and try and figure out what is it that's important and then recalibrate your life and your exchanges and your work to reflect what is important. I think that that's the most important thing. It's to kind of take a step back and make sure that uh, what you're doing goes well with your values. And I think that would make a world of difference in terms of civic engagement. In addition to Gandhi, Dr. Harcourt reaches back even further in history and recounts how Seneca, the Stoic philosopher, practiced a daily examination of his own behavior. Seneca, the Stoic philosopher, actually has this beautiful passages about before going to sleep at night. When he's all alone, he says, and when my wife has fallen asleep, I go through the day that I've had and everything I did, and I ask myself whether I spoke in the right way. If I spoke to someone, did I do them harm? Did I speak to them too brusquely? Or did I speak to them properly? And he calls it, or it's come to be known, as kind of an examination of conscience. And and one examines one's day um, at the end of the day before going to sleep. And then one kind of evaluates and judges everything one has done uh, in one's relations to others. You know, I shouldn't have done this to this person. I, I spoke too abruptly to this person when I was trying to correct them instead I think I I hurt them or I insulted them or something like that and um, I was always taken by that passage I always aspired to do that I don't manage but I've always aspired to do that but I think that that would push us in the right direction I think in a similar way if one just took the time to think about okay how how am I doing the things that I'm doing and am I doing them in a way that I'm comfortable with ethically. Both of which are just taking time out of your overcharged schedule and your overcommitted calendar to just remember what's important in life, right? This brought us to a discussion about justice. Crises are pervasive, but making the world more just is forever. Making a just society or a more just society or working on justice or trying to achieve justice, I don't think it's something that one ever achieves. It's it's a constant struggle. It's not a it doesn't work on a kind of a, a, a revolution model where we kind of change things abruptly and then we're in a time of justice or just societies. I think it's a constant forever for it's an eternal effort, a struggle. It's almost Sisyphean. I mean, you just have to keep on pushing the rock up the, up the hill. And I like so, that you said that, because I think a lot of people believe that there's an end game. Yeah, that they no, achieve right. a place and yes. then it all no, no, gets better. It's just, no, that's just, uh, yeah, no, that, that just, it's just not, it's just not true. It's just not true. I think that that's a dangerous myth, I think. 
because so many people want to kind of create something that will kind of fix justice immediately and solve it all and don't realize that, you know, you can create something that might help push us in the right direction, but it so easily could be corrupted and push us in the wrong direction. And so it's not, there's nothing that you can create out there independent, autonomous from our justice efforts that's going to hold injustice at bay. Right. It's, it's us. Yes, it's us. Yeah, it's, yes, it's, I think people miss that. Yeah, people think yeah. that injustice is others. Yeah. Right, but it's us. Right, yeah. And it's constantly struggling against our own failures and weaknesses. So this is where the Eric Holder Initiative comes into the picture. I wanted to know what the long-term goals are. The really ambitious goal of the Holder Initiative is to help undergraduates who I think sense this, sense and sense this, that's why I think there is a thirst for social justice among our undergraduates, to, to give them the tools, the ways of thinking, the, the intellectual tools and some of the practical tools to be able to pursue their, their thirst and their ambitions. Oftentimes we talk about, you know, well, as we're designing the Holder Initiative, which is going to be a series of courses with a special concentration in social justice and fellowships and internships for students in the summers so that they can go work at good organizations, etc. As we're, as we're kind of trying to design this and think about it, we're, we're figuring out, well, what are we doing? Are we, are we encouraging the students or are we teaching the students? Or Actually, I think we're, we're just supporting the students. In other words, the initiative is theirs. The, it's their initiative that we're trying to support. I, I, I don't sense that it's us trying to teach them to want this. It is right. really us there providing them with the support that they could use in order to realize the justice visions that they have. So that's the large goal. The large goal is really to, to be the place in the country, in the world, maybe, that does this best, that that supports the students in the best way possible. And further, Dr. Harcourt believes that college students have the vitality and energy that allows them to really shape the world and make it what they want it to be. How specifically is the initiative giving students the right tools? Dr. Harcourt gives us a preview of the curriculum. Uh, and so in the spring, we're going to have a series on, which is very related to civic engagement. Um, it's called the American Voter Project. And it's going to be a series that talks about all of the issues surrounding voting right now. So we're going to start by examining the Electoral College, which obviously has been a source of a lot of tension in this country. Then we're going to be looking at questions of voter suppression. But we'll also look at questions of voter fraud or allegations of voter fraud. We'll look at questions of hacking uh, elections, uh, which is becoming more and more uh, troubling. Uh, we'll look at issues of the census, uh, which is coming up, the 2020 census and the redistricting that's going to go with it, all leading towards a kind of a big panel on the one person, one vote principle and how it's faring right now. Not uh, that well. <laughs> not that well, no, no. Although with the election result, given that almost 3 million more people voted uh, for Hillary Clinton, I think still what would have won her the presidency 
would have been if even more people had voted all over the country. Right, right. Right, and I think right. that's, right. in no. my mind, where a lot of people are missing it. No, no, less than 50% came out to vote, and it's really a mystery to me why that was. Yeah, yeah. And it's a mystery to me why our presidential uh, turnout has been historically at that level. 55% turnout, 60% if you're lucky. I mean... That's big, right? 60% is huge right, by huge, U.S. standards. Right. For, for the past decades, it's been at that level. And it's just not clear as to why it is that people aren't voting, why they're not engaged sufficiently in what is really the most important, focused, concise way of being engaged, right? Yes, Voting. it is. It's yeah. uh, maybe a two-hour activity, let's right. say. You know, right. you stand right. in line. Let's say right. for two hours, if, right. if that, right. Right? right? But I do also think that a lot of people really believe that their vote is unimportant, that they're just one vote. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 uh, I think that's right. I mean, so, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. when and you talk the, about right. 60 million, right. what's one vote? Right, the collection action problem. It's a real illusion, right? It's yes, a real illusion. It because, it, I mean, it's true that one vote is a drop in the bucket of a voting population of about 250 million people, of course. But you don't aggregate without individual votes, right? It's a puzzle. It's a puzzle. Well, that's something we need to work on. We do. <laughs> Collective action is powerful. Exactly. Indeed, it's something we need to work on. Collective action is powerful. People understand this in their hearts and minds, but somehow it doesn't always translate into action. On a rainy day in a primary election, voting can be reduced to an inconvenience, a privilege and obligation that we take for granted. But as this conversation shows, civic engagement is more than voting. Let's ask ourselves, what is really important in our lives? Which piece of the puzzle do you want to be? What will you do that is in line with your values? We can shape our world, and it's up to us to do so. Thank you for listening to Future Hindsight. The executive producer and host of this program is Mila Atmos. The audio producer and music composer is Peter Fedak. The associate producer is Miriam Zumud. Find us online at futurehindsight.us and listen to us through your favorite streaming services.